Good morning, Oak Ridge family. How are we doing this morning? Hope your summer's getting off to a good start. We are so glad to be able to join together and worship and teaching and have a little time together this morning. We're so uh, so thankful you could join us. Uh, just want to remind you of Zoom etiquette that you join uh, muted and uh, then when we get to the breakout portion, um, you know, we'll be unmuted. But um, if you have any questions or concerns, you can use the chat feature on the Zoom call. And uh, again, so glad to see you this morning. Want to welcome you all to the to the gathering. Um, thought we could pray a minute here and uh, just uh, dedicate the time to the Lord and um, look to Him. So join me in prayer, Lord. We we thank you for your kindness. We thank you for being able to gather here virtually this morning. We thank you for your church. And we, um, Lord, ask us, ask you to help us to be good members, to be good good uh, hands and feet and eyes and ears, and uh, uh, that we would be a grace to your body, that we would be functioning well, we would serve well, we would be submissive to you this morning. We, we turn our attention to the word of God. We ask you to speak to our hearts. We ask you to cleanse us, encourage us, guide us, help us uh, with our lives. If, whether it's family gatherings, as this time of year rolls around with vacation, Lord, we want to be ones that encourage. We want to be ones that build up and affirm and strengthen uh, our loved ones. We thank you for being able to be together this morning. We ask you to teach us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Mike, and good morning, everyone. And uh, today we are continuing the series that, that Mike led out uh, last week about being members of Christ's body. And uh, the topic that we come to this morning in particular is serving in the here and now. And I wonder how many of us have been asking ourselves this question recently, how can I serve uh, in the here and now in my life situation, um, especially in 2020? Although I will kind of stress from the outset that this is actually not a COVID-19 related message. It certainly has application for now, but this is really about our life situation. If you haven't thought about that question recently, if you haven't been considering how do I serve my here and now, my life situation, then I encourage you to give it some thought. Um, it's clear from scripture um, that um, from the example of Jesus that we are to be servants um, we could spend a lot of time this morning just looking at the many examples of that. Um, the one that I'll just call out as a kind of a capstone example um, is the Last Supper. And if you want to, to read this in your own time, then go take a look at um, John 13 um, later today. And at the Last Supper, Jesus demonstrates servitude in the utmost. He is in the, pos in the position where he's about to be arrested and go to the cross. He's about to face... Um, his hour of greatest need and he's with, with his disciples and he knows that uh, in just a matter of hours every single one of them is going to abandon him and Judas of course is about to betray him and yet in that hour at that time in that situation he chooses to be their servant um, to take the place of what should have been the lowest servant in the house where they were meeting and to wash the feet of the disciples and then to instruct them that they are to do likewise that they are to be if they wish to be the greatest and they should be servants to each other. But what does that look like in our life situations? You know, maybe you're married, maybe you're single, maybe you're young, maybe you're old. 
maybe you have kids in the home maybe you're an empty nester maybe you're wealthy maybe you're in need um maybe you are in the workplace maybe you spend most of your time in the home perhaps homeschooling maybe you're in school those are all different life situations and they're all important and the big question is how do we serve in those life situations so i'm going to share some thoughts this morning from scripture and they may not be what you're expecting especially um you know those of you who know me reasonably well know that I'm sort of a fairly strategically minded person. I like to think, okay, well, we should figure out what objectives we would have here. How do we serve in the here and now? Put together a plan and off we go. But I'm going to share some verses of scripture um, that I think are just far more fundamental than that um, and that really kind of transcend all of those circumstances. I want to start with um, a quote, um, not from scripture, a quote from a, a, an author. Um, called Jerry Bridges. He was, a, he was a, a Christian author and speaker and worked for the Navigators for many years. And he says this, he says, every day is important for us because it is a day ordained by God. If we are bored with life, there is something wrong with our concept of God and his involvement in our daily lives. Even the most dull and tedious days of our lives are ordained by God and ought to be used by us to glorify him. I just think about that for a moment. Think about the last time you had a day that felt either boring because it was empty and there was not really much going on and you just thought, oh, I just really want something interesting to do. Or perhaps it was full, a tedious but full. You had lots of work to do or lots of schoolwork to do and you, you just wanted to be done with it um, because it just felt like too much and you wanted something more interesting to do. Well, what scripture tells us and what's really kind of captured in this quote is that Every one of those days is important. Even the days where we don't end up interacting with other people so much, they're important for our character development, our relationship with God, and responding to how God is involved in our daily lives, because he is. So we're going to look at some verses this morning um, and, uh, and see, see what scripture has to say. And I want to start um, in Philippians uh, Philippians chapter four, and these will, I'm sure, be familiar verses. Um, and Paul says, so he's talking to the Philippians and he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you've renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. So the Philippians are once again, you know, reaching out to Paul to see how he is doing. And he goes on to say, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Now, let's just take a step back for a moment here and consider where Paul is at this point in time when he's writing this letter to the Philippians. Paul's in prison at this point. He's not in a very good life situation from an earthly perspective. And yet, if you read the beginning of his letter to the Philippians, you will see that the gospel is being advanced. The kingdom is being grown. The brothers are being encouraged um, as he preaches still, even from his captivity. And it's in this context that he says, I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, in all circumstances. And the final sentence of this little section, I think, is crucial. I can do everything or all things through him who gives me strength. 
And we often take that to mean like, oh, well, if I want to, um, uh, uh, if I want to get this career advancement, I can do that through God who gives me strength. Well, maybe if that's what God's calling you to. But what Paul is really saying is I can do all things through God. It's through God that I have access to um, wisdom, grace, guidance, power, strength, sustainment, all of those things. I have learned to rely on God and not on my human circumstances. That's what Paul is saying. He's in a terrible human circumstance at this point in time, a terrible life situation. And what he has to say about it is I've learned to rely on God and I can do all the things I need to through him. And whilst he's saying this, indeed, the gospel is being advanced. The kingdom is being grown. What about Peter? Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Peter, chapter 4. And we're going to read um, a few verses from verse 7. Peter says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. So Peter's talking about the end of all things is near. Now, bear in mind, this was 2,000 years ago. Near is a relative term. And if you're God, near could be, you know, a very long time from our perspective. So it's fair to say the end of all things is still near. We don't really know how near it is. We don't know whether it's just around the corner this week or if it's another 2,000 years away. But we're living in, um, we're living in the, the era of history where we're waiting on the triumphant return of Jesus. That's what's coming. And what does Peter say? He says, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. I was thinking about what, what does it mean to be clear-minded? Because it's nice to say, it sounds good, right? Just be clear-minded about it. But what does that actually mean? Well, I think really what it means takes us back to Philippians because it means focus on what is good. Keep your mind clear with the things that are good. And in the verses just before the ones that we were reading out of Philippians 4, um, Paul is talking to the Philippians about, you know, whatever is noble and true and pure and lovely, focus on these things, dwell on these things. So focus on what is good. Do not become distracted by what is not. That, I think, is something that has become much easier in these last few months of lockdown. You get a day where you're bored, and before you know it, you've spent three hours watching TikTok videos and haven't really done anything. Don't let yourself be pulled into that. Don't let yourself just drift into it. It's not going to be fulfilling. It may be entertaining for a brief moment, but it's not going to be fulfilling. Be clear-minded. Focus on what is good. And remember, as that quote said earlier on, that God is involved in our daily lives. He wants to be involved in our daily lives. And the more we invite him to be involved in our daily lives, the more exciting they will be. And Peter says to do this, to be clear-minded and self-controlled so that we can pray, so that we can speak to God and ask him, God, what do you have for me today? What, what's on your agenda? What can, I, what, can I, what can I do? And we can listen to God. Prayer, of course, is a two-way conversation. 
and we often skip over the second part of it because maybe we're so wrapped up in our circumstances that we just want to tell God what we need to or ask him what we need to ask him and then hope that we get like an instant response and we can move on with our day. But maybe, you know, these times are very different for each of us, um, especially. Some people are way more busy than usual and some people are a lot less busy than usual. So if you find yourself less busy than usual, then now is a great time to listen to God. Slow down and listen to God. If you find yourself more busy than usual, now is a great time to slow down and listen to God so that you don't get overwhelmed with all the busyness that's going on. Peter goes on to say, love each other deeply. In other words, want what is best for each other. The, the word, the love, the word used for love here in the Greek is agape, the agape love. So the love that is self-sacrificing, that is giving up for others. And it is wanting what is best for that person. May even not be wanting the thing that they want, right? They, <laughs> they don't happen to want what's best for them. Wanting the best thing for each other. So being prepared to reach out to each other to show love um, and um, maybe even to challenge each other if that's needed. Offer hospitality without grumbling. Use whatever gifts you have received. God's grace has many forms. Isn't that interesting? Right? We'll be talking here later in the series about parts of the body. I'm sure we'll be looking at um, uh, 1 Corinthians and Romans and those, those passages that talk about the body having many parts and them all having a usefulness. Well, not only that, not only does every part have every part of the body have its place and its important role to play, but God's grace, Peter says, has many forms. We are ministers of God's grace in different forms, depending on whatever gifts we have received from him. Let's flip back to Philippians. And we're going to go back to chapter two this time. So turn, me, turn with me if you have your Bibles there. Chapter 2, and uh, I'm just going to read from verse 14. And it's worth saying that this is, um, these verses come right after um, the very well-known passage where Paul talks about um, doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others more important than yourselves, and your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Um, but became nothing, making himself like a servant. And um, so it's in this context that Paul says, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. I don't know about you, but if I think about how do I serve in the here and now and I could look at how I've been serving, say, over the last week, and I could say, wow, you know what? I felt like I shined like a star in the universe holding out the word of life. That would feel pretty awesome right there. But it's interesting that Paul starts by saying, do everything without complaining or arguing. If you're a parent, then you may well be familiar with the concept of somebody doing something whilst complaining or arguing or grumbling with you. But I'd like to challenge us to widen our aperture slightly on that. This is not just about whether a child is grumbling out loud to you because you asked them to do a chore that they didn't want to do. In fact, 
what's different about a child in this situation is that often they have the simple honesty to say out loud what it is that they're thinking. That's a virtue that's actually ironically extolled in scripture, the simple faith and honesty of children. Now that's not to say that grumbling is good. We're being told we shouldn't grumble or complain. But the question I want to pose to you is this, when was the last time you did something and you may not have grumbled out loud or complained about it out loud or written an email complaining about it, but on the inside, your heart was saying, I don't want to do this. This is, yeah, this is rubbish. I could do something much more interesting. That's grumbling or complaining. Paul says, don't do that. That's not how you serve in the here and now. Serving in the here and now is to do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. And it's in that way that we shine like stars and hold out the word of life. So whether that's a work context, whether that's in our marriage, whether that's uh, in school, wherever it may be, if we want to serve in the here and now, it starts very much with our attitude and our heart. It's not about strategizing, okay, here's my situation, here is my circle of influence, uh, how am I going to maximize my impact on these people? It starts with us listening to God and letting him do the work through us. So I want to just put an extra little extra layer on top of this or a little bit more context when it comes to life situations. So what's important, these are, these are principles. Oops, I'm trying to hold my page and the breeze has started to blow. There we go. All right. Um, these are principles about how we should be as believers and how we should conduct ourselves. Um, but we still need to apply those. We still need to overlay them on our life situation. And I want to share with you a couple of examples, things that I've read in books uh, recently, just uh, little stories of situations where this was obviously not the case. And they're quite extreme examples, but they make the point. And I think they're good things for us to consider. So I was reading, um, been reading a book um, about church planting by uh, a church planting coach. And uh, in it, he um, he relays this story of uh, being at a conference in Boston and he met a man who had moved to Boston and was involved in church planting there. And this man was having a really hard time and not, not seeing any success or fruit laboring away, not really getting anywhere. And so he asked, he asked, you know, this, this, uh, this coach, do you have any advice for me? And they had lunch together and the guy, the coach started asking him questions and he it turns out that this, this man, and his family, they'd grown up in New Mexico um, from uh, what you might call a sort of a working class background. His dad was a plumber, his mom was a teacher. Uh, he had a sort of a fairly average standard public school education. Um, and, uh, and his wife was from a very similar background and they had preschool aged children. And they had moved to Boston and they were trying to reach um, the Harvard community. So trying to reach academics, students, others in the university community who are really plainly from a completely different cultural context to them. They were trying to serve completely out of their life situation. Here they are from sort of working class backgrounds with young children and they're trying to reach people who can't really relate to that background, uh, that phase of life. Um, there's no, there was no connection point. They were The ministry that they were trying to engage in was, was causing tension, how it was building tension with, with, with their life situation. And I'll just read you the last little bit 
um, from this story in the book. And it says this, following the seminar, the conference, my wife, so this is the coach speaking, my wife and I took a few days to enjoy Boston. As we were driving around, we got lost. We found ourselves in a neighborhood, 10 miles from where this man was trying to plant a church. There were tons of young children and families and people with middle-class jobs. If he'd planted there, he would have flourished. Coming all the way from New Mexico, he only missed the will of God by 10 miles. Now that's a pretty clear cut example. It's easy for us to sit here and say, well, sure, if he was coming from that kind of background, what was he doing trying to reach, um, you know, uh, sort of very, um, uh, a very highly intellectual community of academia with very different backgrounds and all the rest of it. Um, but it makes the point. The other story I want to relate was from a book that some of us read last year in preparation for last year's um, pastors conference uh, on, on leadership um, by a guy called Pete Scazzaro. And um, he tells a story in there that a friend of his, uh, who's a seminary professor, went to China and met with a bunch of people, met a bunch of friends there, I was traveling, seeing friends, and um, spoke to this one lady, met with this one lady who was laboring in the church and also teaching um, a seminary class and was hugely under pressure, completely overwhelmed, uh, absolutely exhausted, couldn't take a day off. And it turns out that her husband was also a seminary professor, but he lived in a city five hours away. And they saw each other for one day every two weeks, and that was it. And just as this guy is uh, trying to engage with her to sort of help um, explore some things that might make a difference for them, might allow them to align their life situation more with the ministry they're involved in and the serving that they are trying to do. She stops him and says, well, if you think my situation's bad, I know of another pastor. Uh, his wife and his uh, children are members of our church here, but he's the pastor of another church and it's a 20 hour train ride away. And he comes home once per year for the Chinese New Year. And he spends one night at home with his family. And then the next day he gets back on the train and goes back to his church. Now, like I said, those are extreme examples. I mean, that sound that to me, that just sounds crazy, right? Especially when you consider, um, you know, passages of scripture that talk about uh, leadership in the church and they talk about managing one's own family well. And how can you expect to lead a church if you're not? You know, how can you how can you manage your family well if you don't see your family? So it's easy to kind of point at things like that and say, oh, they've got this all wrong. But the question is, how do we do that? How are we serving? Are we trying to serve in a way that uses our life situation? If we have young kids, that can be very challenging when it comes to getting up and out the house and doing things, engaging with things. But what are the things that we could be doing? where having those young kids is actually a blessing to them and to others. We've been, um, not recently, but um, through uh, last year, we'd been going to um, some churches in Westminster and helping serving meals to the homeless up there as a community group. Kathy Sams has been, has been our sort of our, our community service guru in getting this all lined up for us. And um, one of the things that was amazing about those times is taking our kids with us and seeing the way they interact with the people we're serving. And those people love being able to engage with the young kids because they don't really get to do that very much, right? They're in a life situation where they don't get that joy of talking with young kids and just seeing that sort of simple joy on a kid's face or any of that kind of thing. So that was a great example for us of actually being able to do something that, that was, it was a benefit that we had a bunch of young kids in our group. If you're single, use the advantages of being single. Use the advantages of being able to just decide your own time 
uh, as much as you need to and not having uh, a set of family commitments in the same way. If you're young, if you're in high school or college or something, apply your youthful energy, right? By the, by the time you get older, you won't feel, very, you won't feel like you've got a lot of youthful energy. Um, I had a conversation with John Toner several years ago. I don't know if he remembers it. We were talking about bringing up kids and he said, yeah, one day we woke up and we realized we sort of missed the last 10 years in what was going on in the world. And we were like, oh yeah, there's actually sort of a world outside going on. Now, for the record, um, you know, that's not meant to be critical of, uh, or sort of uh, um, downplaying the importance of parenting and bringing up young children. They're a wonderful blessing from God. But it's like, you get in this, uh, you get in this zone where all of your energy is consumed by raising those kids, especially when they're very young. Um, I'm sure that those of you listening who have, you know, toddlers and infants, um, or maybe just post toddlers can relate to that very strongly. So that energy will yeah, get absorbed into different things as you get older. So if you're still younger and you don't have those commitments, use that youthful energy. The bottom line is make sure you're not creating tensions between your life situation and, um, and your, and the way you're serving. If you're, if the way that you are serving in the church and the community, it's causing stress in your marriage or causing you to, um, miss time with your kids or even not spend you know time with your close friends find a way to do those things together find ways to serve together and to embrace your life situation so how do we serve in the here and now well most importantly it starts with god it starts with god working through us just a reminder of what peter said verse 11 first peter 4 verse 11 he says if anyone speaks he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. We are to get our words and our strength from God himself and allow him to work through us. Secondly, be content and do not grumble, not just grumbling out loud like our kids may do to us, but what do our hearts say? Are we grumbling on the inside about things that we're asked to do? Thirdly, be clear-minded, self-controlled, and pray. Offer things up to God. Listen to God. Fourthly, let God lead us. And then fifthly, that brings us to the place where we may shine like stars in the universe as we hold out the word of life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the great provider that you are the great strategist. There is nothing that we could need um, that you cannot provide for us. There's nothing that we need to add to what you've done. There's nothing that we need to uh, build on or take further than what you have already done. We simply need to connect to you and listen to what you have to say and how you have to lead us. We thank you for the words of encouragement that you give us in scripture. We thank you that you provide us with everything we need, not just um, from an earthly perspective, but you provide us with hope. You have showered us in your love and your forgiveness. We have everything we need. And we pray that you would help us to see how it is that we can serve effectively for you in our life situations. We pray that you would lead us, that you would open our eyes to see the positions that you have put us in, the life situations that you have led us to, 
and to be able to use those for your glory, just as Paul did as he was in prison or whether he was traveling or in Jerusalem, whether he was in in a time of plenty or a time of need. We pray that you would help us to use his example, the example of Jesus, most of all, that we would be able to um, be your hands and feet and shine like stars to those around us. We thank you for your encouragement to us. We thank you for your grace and your love. And we ask all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.